This brings reinforcements. It's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Yay! I'm very excited. You know why I'm particularly excited? Because I'm going on vacation. That's right. I'm getting out of town for a whole week by myself, my favorite thing to do, because when you really give a shit about other people and what's going on in your life, you have to isolate for a while. So um, when next time we talk, I'm going to be like totally recharged. Also, you know what else I can't handle? I can't handle it because I see all these on uh, Facebook and everything. Everybody else is on vacation, and I have the worst vacation jealousy. I also have the worst travel jealousy. People go places. So I just, um, like, yeah, I'm going to feel, I'm doing this to make myself feel good about myself. I'll, I'll try anything, really, seriously. So um, I'm very excited about my guest today. I am so excited. I can't believe he's actually on the show. It's Brent. It's Ben Kronberg. Did I say your name right, Ben? He's you, smiling at me. You, you said it great. It was. Perfect. I did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I accept multiple pronunciations, but uh, but Kronberg is the 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 general standard. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, but but you know, I, a Kronberg is Kronberg also, is also okay. I'm I don't have like a no. It's Kronberg. I'm I'm, you know, I'm a Pisces, so I I can I, go, oh. go with the flow. Well, that explains it. See, we're off to a good start. I mean, um, this is going to be really interesting because I hardly know Ben. I know Ben's work. I've seen him perform several times. I, um, I, I think he's awesome. I think he's really smart. And, uh, but I don't really know Ben personally. But um, since I'm in the role of being the, his psychotherapist today, we're going to, like, find out, um, you know, what, what, Ben's, what Ben's history, personal history is like and what his growing up experience has been and uh, how maybe we'll find out how it led to uh, him being uh, such a good comedian. And uh, Ben, do you like that when I say that you're a good comedian or does, is there part, how does that make you feel? Is there like part of you that just goes, um, she doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea. Uh, no, it's, uh, no, that's very nice. I, 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 I I absorb. Uh, I have. I have a good. You're good for that. You're good with yeah, that. I'm, I'm That's with good. That. Ben's a little bit. That. You know what, Ben? I'm gonna say this. You're a little bit of a poker face to me. Not not that that's any kind of indication of anything about you. It's just that like, I'm really uh, excited about doing this interview with you because, you know, you're to me the 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 casual observer. You present in an opaque way. Does that make sense to you? Is that something you've heard before? Um, I, I, I suppose, like, yeah, if you're just seeing me at shows and maybe in a particular context, not having, you know, hung out behind the scenes, perhaps, you know, like, I'm sure um, the picture that I paint for people, uh, like friends and things is, is different than, than maybe, right. you know, right. what, what I'm yeah. doing at the, the shows and the mics and whatnot. Right. Well, we'll find out. So um, let's read off some of your credits. First of all, you're working, you have a web series coming out. Um, I, yep. The Next. Bindle Brothers. The Bindle Brothers. At bindlebrothers.com. Go. What's it about? Just quick. Um, uh, it's about a couple guys who uh, are trust fund guys who decide to start a bindle company in, um, in, in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. And uh, so it's kind of like it's a real business, but it's also a, a web series documenting our efforts in selling these bindles in, in a – kind of modern age where where the bindle is has sort of been forgotten but we're we're trying to bring it back and you will learn what a bindle is yeah if, if you, you, watch you know it. if you don't know i mean you know a lot of i think everybody knows what a bindle is they just know. don't know what a bindle is a bindle is a a stick with a with a handkerchief sack tied to it so it's what hobos oh. would, would would use so it's a bindle oh that's great because yeah, yeah. So you know i've know often thought I wish I had one of those sticks with like a sack. When I was a little girl, I really wanted one and tried to run, you know, so then I could run away from home, get away from those horrible people. Yeah. Um, so, Ben, you have like, these are great credits. Look at this. Half Hour, Central, Comedy Central. You were on Last Comic Standing. We know all about, I saw that. I saw, saw that. that. Okay. Yeah, Are you sick of talking about that. I'm not the. I'm not the. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're you out. Know, you're I, over I, it. You were I, on you Jimmy know, Kimmel. Like, yeah. You have an amazing set. This is just such a great set on Seth Meyers. You guys should really like uh, 
Google this stuff. Google this Seth Meyers late night thing. Oh yeah. Um, and and you know, Ben, part of uh, what um, I uh, particularly like about your kind of comedy is that it's very conceptual, and um, that's why I am probably, you know, that's that's one of the things about comedy that particularly turns turns me on, because um, the work I do on my own is um, I always say that you know the a really good comedian is probably you know the ultimate in a certain way ultimate conceptual artist I mean it's a it's very close to what visual artists or people that call themselves quote-unquote fine artists are doing right you know you know what I'm saying yeah I think um, there's definitely there's like a Facebook Twitter discussion a while back where somebody was wanted to deny uh comedians that are artists like we're not artists we're just you know yeah we I just tell it. we just tell jokes and it was like from a pretty you know pretty well-known good i think comedian i think i was saying that and, yeah. and it was like an interesting discussion because he kind of wanted to disavow any sort of art involvement in comedy but i i mean i you know i try to you know i try well, to be mindful of of yeah, I mean, I think your work certainly. I mean, Steve Stephen Wright is like to me the ultimate. I would actually, I actually have a fantasy of someday making his work. I have an idea for. I want to make all his work into an art project, but that's a whole other story. So the thing is, though, but you know, like the thing is, there's a lot of you know, like there's. I mean, I didn't really learn about comedy until maybe like five years ago or more, maybe a little more. You know, two thousand six. Like that, you could do it. Well, sort it's, of thing, or you, no, no, you that that like it was it. cool. No, that it was really smart because my idea of comedy was just, and I mean, I consider myself, you know, a uh, cultured person. You know, I was taken to art museums. We lived in Manhattan as a little girl, stuff like that, and I always thought comedy was just really idiotic and a bunch of teenage boys and you know fart fart penis jokes. But then I realized like these people are fucking smart. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's like. I mean, I think everybody is is smart and has like a, you know, something that they're smart in. I think the what happens with comedians is they get the opportunity to express their intelligence, and they've it, it's sort of like what they've taken on is sort of like okay, they have to put their intelligence to use. Whereas a, a lot of people, I think, doing whatever job they're doing or whatever industry they're in, they might not be tapping into that their own personal intelligence that would you know even make people say oh you're smart you know like well i think i think a job that you're getting paid for has nothing may i mean i don't consider that necessarily has anything to do with one's potential intelligence i consider like comedy in the world of like an art uh, or some kind of personal pursuit mm -hmm. i mean i mean at least starts out that way you can make a shitload of cash yes and you know there's a point where you won't do it if you don't get paid i get that but i mean to 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 start out doing to to get involved in it it's a pursu personal pursuit but um you know i was going to ask you about i want to ask you, and then we'll get right into uh you know your upbringing but um you know like for example i wanted to ask you you know i never i what do you think of uh jackie mason uh as a comedian I, I i'll just tell you quickly i went like my idea of comedy and this was like not that long ago um uh, when I was single, um, a guy took me on a date. I didn't know anything about comedy. A guy took me on a date to see Jackie Mason. And I think he bought tickets because I'm a Jew and Jackie's a Jew. And um, it was horrible. I'm sorry. I thought it was horrible. I hated the date. I felt really like it. I felt like I was sitting there and I was having to laugh. And it was just like, and that kind of cemented my idea about comedy until much more recently. But did, what do you guys? What do you think of Jackie Mason? Do you do you understand why I felt that way? Um, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily have a, a strong opinion about <laughs> Jackie Mason. Um, I mean, I remember seeing him in. Um, I think it was Caddyshack Two. He was the, he was the dad, the like this rich guy in Caddyshack Two. Um, and I thought he, you know, he thought he was funny and had a had a thing. Um, but I wouldn't. You know, I'm I'm not like that familiar with like oh the oh that's a Jackie Mason joke. You know, I so you're yeah. So see, uh, he's not even so. I mean, in, but I think in, he's a part of the the lexicon of 
comedy and getting it, right. you know, perpetuating it, keeping it moving forward, right. I think. But if you were me and you didn't know anything about comedy and then somebody took you to see that, you'd be like, what the fuck? That's horrible. <laughs> I mean, if you had to sit there for like an hour and a half on a date, you would not be happy. Yeah. Where you were having to laugh and look like you were having fun. No, not a good idea. Well, come on. Anyway. <laughs> um, but I did see George Carlin in the 70s, which was because um, my uh, my boyfriend in high school. See, it's all about me. My boyfriend <laughs> in high school took this was great because it was like the only time this ever happened. His father took us on a double date with his father's date. And it was like hilarious because we went to see George Carlin on it, like a double date with this date of his father's who was, it was so awkward for her. I felt terrible. She didn't know us. Me and, you know, I was close with my boyfriend, the family, the father, and this poor woman, she didn't know us. And she was on a fucking date. I mean, Dating, those are two date stories. Dating, dating in certain circumstances is more awkward than this conversation where I'm about to ask you everything about your childhood when I don't mm. even know you, right? Yeah. It can be really yeah. awkward. Yeah, yeah, that's okay, fine, so let's, Awkward is okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay I live that. for the awkward. Okay, so let's talk about, um, like, where, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mainly in the suburbs. I was born in Denver, but then just sort of like, um, homogenized in the suburbs and surrounded with with that sort of vibe like my parents got divorced when I was in the fourth grade and then so I moved you know I so moved a lot of times around but just the kind of the same area mm-hmm. um, like a suburb what did your yeah. parents do did um, well you know before my parents got divorced my my mom was the stay-at-home mom and my dad uh, like bought and sold and repaired medical equipment it was mm. sort of like the vocation that he had fallen into once he started having kids and you know once my parents got pregnant with my sister who's the oldest um how many kids three and three total i'm the youngest the youngest yeah. and are they boys or girls the other ones um one's a girl my, one's a girl uh and my my the middle child is my brother mm-hmm. and so there's two two mm-hmm. boys and two boys and a girl and one gal and uh so your father is that a job that you was that like his own business or do you go to a he, he office? Had, he had like, uh, what do you call that, apprenticed with somebody who did that stuff and like fixing autoclaves and centrifuges and all the medical equipment that you would use to like sterilize or separate blood or all the things. That so would, did he separate your blood at he home? Never separated, <laughs> he never separated my blood, but we, uh, you know, so I, but he ran the business out of our home. So okay. the garage, the work basement. Work at home, dad. Were, yeah, the garage Worked and at home. basement. He was around. Were, yeah. So um, what did your mom do after the divorce? Like what happened there? Um, she went, her first job was at a, a grocery store. And I remember she wasn't there very long because she was doing something with the the salad bar that they had there and um one of the other workers like had a band-aid that they were wearing a band-aid and the band-aid basically got uh uh discarded by accident <laughs> in this salad bar and oh, she was just Jesus. like she couldn't take it so then she went to uh <laughs> she went to go work for uh lawyers she started like you know kind of as like a you know out of the gate fresh out of the womb paralegal and um worked for a law office for a while and then that kind of one of the lawyers became a judge and he brought her along to to become a clerk and then so she's been in the she's been in that whole system and working for the state and all that sort of stuff so she's you know and uh, you know so how 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 did the divorce go like what was that were your parents not getting along like what was that like that must have been really tough i mean i remember my my parents fighting um i you know one of the vivid memories of my parents is of them fighting and them being like in their room and other things. And there's sort of being those tensions, um, you know, cause I was in fourth grade, so I was still pretty young, mm-hmm. you know, when it happened. Yeah, but I, I do, I do remember listening, you know, to them fighting and then asking my, my brother, like, are they going to get a divorce? Are they going to get a divorce? Cause I had seen that, you know, I did see that one movie, Irreconcilable Differences, which was sort of like it planted the seed of like, oh, this is, you know. This could happen this, to you. Yeah, this could happen. And, you know, I pretty much, you know, it seemed like the gap between them telling me on their bed that Santa wasn't real and then 
them taking us out on the deck and telling us Whew. telling us kids that they were going to be be separated right because they gotta you get separated before you get divorced right. because we're gonna see how it goes when dad lives somewhere else and all these sorts of things and then the day that they told us they were getting separated we went um as a family uh to see uh big trouble in little china and um and that's sort of been my favorite movie ever since because <laughs> it was that it was the true escape that i needed you know it was oh. like all right i don't want to you know too big for too much for a little brain to th- be thinking about the the future of everything, uh, yeah. and I just wanted to be immersed in fantasy worlds. You know, I well, just wanted to play with toys and and not worry about whatever my parents were doing. Well, that's really good parenting then, because what they did was they actually really, you know, found a way to chill everybody out, which is actually to their credit, I would say, right? Yeah, yeah, we didn't like you know we didn't go for the you know hey we're uh, we're getting separated and let, now let's go to dinner and not talk about it you know yeah. like it was like just something to do and I wonder I kind of wonder how they view that movie like if they think it's hmm. you know if they remember that part of it at all have you ever asked them or thought of asking them I haven't really I mean there's other you know now that we're a number of years away from that particular moment. Um, I'm 38 years old right now, so it's sort of like this, you know, a, a big distance between then and now, and so it's it's things I think it's about. It's to bring up, you know. You know yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, I, mom, listen. Maybe she's listening. Yeah, maybe she's probably working right now. She's she's a hard worker. Oh, um, that sounds like you have a lot of respect for her. Yeah, uh, that's the f- feeling I get right there. Right there, that's good. Respect for women, yay. I, yeah, I respect. Um, women. and your older sister, yeah, respect for women. Um, what does your older sister do? Uh, my sister, uh, she does a couple of, of things. Uh, she's a, an interpreter for the deaf and hearing impaired. Wow. And she also, um, you know, kind of did, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> pardon me, hmm. excuse me. Oh man. Okay. Nothing, nothing okay. like listening to somebody cough on the. On the air, huh? Hey, That's not a, at least you are not going to catch whatever I catch because you are just listening. You don't have to. These listeners, you don't are have tough. to. You don't They're have to. Tough. Yeah, you guys, they listen. To, you guys got good immune systems, right? Yeah. Um, my and she also does massage therapy, so nice. she's like very hand based um, profession. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of lot of like very direct stuff, kind of intuitive, sort of inner body, maybe a yep. little. She's very she holistic. Um, oh yeah. She's very. Um, into that sort of stuff. She also does, I think she went to school for a while uh, for art therapy at oh. Naropa, um, kind of post sign language and post, uh, you know, just kind of always exploring. And, um, you know, so she also does sell her art um, oh. and things like that. And she does uh-huh. kind of like folk art, like found objects and modifying them with different messages and Bring her down here Stuff. next Bushwick Open Studio. Yeah, right. Sure. It, w- it would be great. Like, yeah, she lives in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, and tell her to some... send her work down. We'll show it right here. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show it on the radio. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we, th- th- it's a physical space. Yeah, it we'll is. Invite a, everybody. Look at me. I'm like, yeah. So, um, I'm renting, turning the studio into a gallery. So, what about your brother? What does he do? Uh, my brother, he went to school to be an engineer, and mm-hmm. so now he is sort of like in the management position at um, a manufacturing company that does stuff with um, kind of similar field as what my dad did, but he, um, you know, does, they make parts, they manufacture parts, disposable parts for blood reoxygenating machines. So so instead of getting a blood transfusion, you actually have your blood taken out of you, separated, and then put, and then put back together and then put in you. So you're just, you're only using your blood during surgery. Wow, that's pretty of, awesome. Yeah, he... he um, <laughs> your he, family's good with blood. They're good with kind blood. Kind of like vampires. Yeah, it's all... <laughs> oh, Jesus, that's <laughs> not funny. See, talking about all that stuff probably is making me nervous. Like, I'm going to, like, I don't know, you know, medical shit. It's medical shit. It's medical stuff. So what happened when your parents got divorced? Did you see your dad on the weekends? Did your dad live nearby? Did your parents argue? How was that? Um, get a new boyfriend. What happened there? There was, some, you know, I mean, there was the the natural mode of bitterness that that I think happened, and um, you know, perhaps some early on abandonment issues being developed. But uh, yeah, I, I would see my dad on the weekend. So, and then I actually 
started to have a better relationship with my dad after my parents got divorced mm. because it was actually a specific time as opposed to just taking for granted the the proximity of my father mm. and occasionally being around him or sitting down on the couch with him. We actually had, you know, that sort of visitation sort of um uh, focused time. Yeah, focused time. And and so, like, going to movies with my dad, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies in the, the mall and eating pizza and arcade. And, you know, I would nice. go for walks with my dad and things like that. And so that was, like, a, a thing that I had never experienced before. Oh, nice. It seemed like it the divorce humbled him a bit as far as making him a um, – he, he, I think he became more sensitive, a more sensitive individual. Mm-hmm. And I think he also felt free because – you know, getting married early on, getting married because you got, you know, having the shotgun wedding sort of thing. Oh, man. That, I think that sort of, you oh, know, they were 19. Man. They were 19? They were like 18 and 19 years oh, old. and man. So it, he, he didn't have, you know, really that much time Gotta to sow his oats. rubbers. And, nor my, Condoms, yeah. man. Rubbers, that's funny. Condoms. Condoms. Did you have a talk with your dad about, you know, birth control? <laughs> oh, that he, yeah. Um, yeah, somebody I, should have. Right. Um, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. So yeah, that all makes sense. Um, so, um, what happened, what happened after nine? What happened after that? That must've been, that's like obviously a major factor in your development, right? Yeah. It, 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 you know, it sort of revealed, you know, the, this potential truth about life that had, I'd otherwise been sheltered from. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think it made it created uh, the mode of introspection for me more oh. than than had my parents stayed together. Maybe oh, you know, like I, you know, thinking about things and relationships. And I mean, to this day, I'm still sort of a, averse to to the idea of marriage. Anyways, mm-hmm. because I just what I kind of really observe from people that are married or getting married, and all the mm-hmm. reasons that people get married, and all the the focus on the stupid wedding the the stupid wedding and the the fun reception and all all these things and i've you know i've i i was a went to film school as a video videographer for a while so you know i, uh, I did a couple wedding videos for uh, people and one of like the coolest wedding video that i ever did for somebody i i filmed on super eight millimeter and did, did all this cool stuff and the the that couple ended up like not being married for like uh, over a year or two. <laughs> it was sort of go. like that's this another thing like, disappointment. So it was that's, a beautiful wedding, but that's it was why like, your Tumblr is so good. I get it. Yeah. Now I'm getting it. So okay, so what what happened? You where did you like? How was high school? Where did you go to college? That kind of thing. Uh, I went to um, I went to University of Colorado, mm-hmm. at Boulder, because that, mm-hmm. that's where my brother went, and I sort of had to copy my brother. He he'd get his ears pierced. I'd get my ears pierced. Mm. He started skateboarding. I would skateboard. So then, him going there was sort of like the the draw plus it was an in-state school and I didn't have any outside pressure to go to any whatever school you know I wasn't like well, you need to get into an Ivy League there mm-hmm. I didn't have any of that pressure it was like but there was definitely the general college pressure like you should you should go to college because it's a good thing to do and right. whatever and I you know to this day I still haven't paid back a, a single student loan I've been don't be per- saying per- that <laughs> on my show <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know but I went to school okay. and it was a really good yeah. You know, it was a good experience, but it was also like, oh, now I'm, you know, that was my initiation into the world of debt, which, yeah. you know, it, it taught me debt more than it did how to become a, you know, that a functional part of society. Thing. Like I yeah. can have conversations about everything because of my liberal arts degree, but including like, you know, why I haven't paid back my student loans. So like in high school, we, I mean, you're obviously a creative person where you did, and it sounds like you weren't really sure, you weren't like driven to be like, I'm going to be a writer, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. Like, so were, were you like, um, when you were when you were like in high school, were you, were you did, did you have a creative bent that you were exploring? Did How were the girls? Did you have a lot of friends, a lot of girlfriends? Uh, I had one girlfriend, really. I had a couple girlfriends, but one major girlfriend from, like, junior year to junior year of high school to junior year of college. And, um, you know, that was a a formative experience for a couple reasons. One, it just sort of introduced me to being in a relationship and and quite a long relationship. Like, I've known people that are my age that hadn't still haven't been in a relationship for four years, which which I was, like, from high school to college. Right. And, you know, also coming out of that, um, 
at the end of our relationship, I found out that she had cheated on me for two years of our four year relationship. Oh man, that's um, such a bad. That's that's that must have really affected you. That's that, bad. Yeah, that did affect that's me. That's really sure. fucked up. <laughs> it was very fucked up. Oh man, you know, uh, betrayal like that kind of betrayal um, is really. Uh, I think I think it's really hard. I think it's a from what I see. It really affects people in a very in a way that's even hard to to really put your finger on. I or it's hard for me to exactly understand it. It's like one of those things, like having a divorce, which I haven't had. It's it's kind of in that category. It's yeah. It it can be. I mean, I know it's your high school girlfriend and all, but I think it can be a big uh, influential experience. Yeah, it's funny, and it, like she was a Gemini, and this little console here right in front of me, uh, the the name brand of it is Gemini. That's an interesting. Uh, oh, you're making connection. connection. I'm making connections. That's the the problem with you know any sort of trauma. Then you you make all these connections. Like she had cheated on me with a um the guy who she initially broke up with to go out with ah. me and so she kind of like was secretly in a relationship with him but then w when i found this out um because basically he would follow he would drive around while we were on dates he would follow us i had no idea but she knew that he was following us but she didn't want to let me know because he would threaten he would threaten like i'm going to I'm going to tell him, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I'm going to spill your beans. And so she was always had this, like, it was this unexplainable tension to me that I couldn't, I didn't know why she was feeling distant or acting weird, but it was because she was, you know, kind of in this double life. And, um, when I found out that this guy drove a, a red Jeep Cherokee, um, once I found all this information out, every single car on the road that I would see driving around, in uh you know the suburbs oh, of, of north denver was like it was like oh another jeep cherokee and it would just like trigger trigger this like thing for me like oh is that him and like you know my wow. my heart would get all now that, that was kind of around the time um i also experienced like my first panic attacks uh oh. um that was when i started having panic attacks is i think when all of this stuff was going down like the the time leading up to finding out she was cheating on me too um to actually you know after you, yeah you had a sense that it was not quite right yeah there was there was a sense and and but yet when you've committed to somebody and have told them you love them you that that love can definitely you know the put, yeah. put the blinders on and sex and, and, too and sex, and sex and sex you know <laughs> and uh it was that that thing that i you know it, it was an intense yeah it was an intense thing that i uh you know, but it also the that whole experience that became a joke. One of the first jokes that I ever said on stage, and that I eventually got to say on um, um, on TV, mm -hmm. uh, was 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 that joke. I, I did I did a joke um, about the breakup, which is uh, you know uh, my girlfriend, my ex girlfriend wore one of those "What Would Jesus Do" bracelets. Uh, apparently Jesus would cheat on his boyfriend for two years of their four-year relationship and keep it a secret from God and everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. So that, you know, that kind of came out of this trauma of like, and I think that's just like typical with comedians that, you know, they deal with the, the things in their mind. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes they're waxing political, but other times it's very personal and, you know. Right, and, and in a way that, that you you... Where where the audience there's a there's a, some distance in there. Yep. And it's they're lot yeah. I could totally see how that would work. So when did you get into comedy? How'd you get into comedy? Um. I got into comedy through music. My last semester of college, my mom had bought me a guitar because I'd always ha had to play the piano growing up. But I wasn't into the piano. I always wanted to play the guitar because my buddy Jason had a guitar, and I was like, I want to play the guitar, you know, and. And so I got this guitar and would, you know, picking it up at an, at an older age, um, I wasn't very good, but I was able to sing and cause I was in choir and like junior high and stuff, I was able to sing and play at the same time. And so the, the songs that I ended up playing or making up kind of tended to be sillier songs. Ah. And I, you know, at one point I decided to, um, do the open mic at this bar that I was working at in Denver and 
you know, sort of like making that decision and having somebody see me at that show and be like, Hey, you should try that song at the comedy club. They have a new talent oh, night. Yeah, and yeah. then that put me in that context. And then I just sort of, it ju- I just sort of went with the flow, followed uh, the sort of d- divining rod or the muse of like, you One know, where's my, another, yeah, and yeah. And this was after college and, and you had studied filmmaking. I, I'd in studied college, filmmaking. So that's not unrelated either. Yeah. There's, you know, it's just sort of like following, whatever I'm interested in and not wanting to also make a decision on what I do or what I'm doing. But then when I, when I went the direction of comedy, I didn't even have to decide. I didn't like, you know, consciously decide like I want to be a comedian or I'm a comedian. I was just, I was just doing comedy and then just keep, keep, keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And you were good at it and you developed, I mean, it was a, it's, that's how, I mean, that's, Ideally, if you can get in touch with what you're good at, that's and then keep doing it. That would ideal, and I, you know, it sounds like you figured that out. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but there's also plenty of hilarious people and funny people out there that have flirted with the idea of comedy, but they have whatever block that keeps them from trying it even the first time. And I, anybody that asks me for comedy advice, I say just, you know, don't overthink it and and get that first time out of the way because that first time will tell you whether you're going to do it again or not. Like, otherwise, you'll just be in perpetual, you know, theory mode of like, well, if I did this, it might be this way, but you just have to do it to see. You know, you have to get on the thing and let it buck you off or let the fact that it buck you off make you want to get back on the, you know, the horse again or be like, nope, I don't want to, I don't want to get on that again. If you're really going to do comedy, I don't think, I don't think you can be ambivalent about it if you're going to really do it, right? There's a lot of obstacles. I mean, the open mic thing is really like painful, right? Yeah. Does that like you have to really go through a lot of that? I mean, I still, I still go to open mics because I want to stay connected with, with that part of appreciating you know, figuring out jokes and not like I've figured out, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to approach this thing like I've figured it out because I really right. haven't figured it out if, you know. Right, hopefully. Even, yeah, I mean, I, I've figured parts of it out and I've right. found opportunities and I've, you know, made money doing it, but. you got to develop. I mean, no if you're not developing I, a creative skill, it's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. So, but I mean, um, it seems like, yeah, comedy seems like something that you have to really, I mean, because uh, you have to do it all the time. You have to do it, do it. Um, like, I mean, you can't really get good at it unless you're out there all the time, right? Yeah, it, it helps. It's the it's the thing that, you know, when I first started performing and dabbling with comedy, I was like, I want to do this once a week. And then, and then that became like, I, I just want to do this as much as I can. Yeah. And because you also need to, because it's like, oh, I have to wait a week to try these jokes again to yeah. see if they can maybe work better. It's like, the the learning curve that's why new york is so great and other places with bigger scenes are now luckily so many so many cities major and and secondary have comedy scenes and 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 they're creating their own opportunities for getting on stage and they're not we're we're not at the mercy of just the comedy club giving us the stage time like i mean i work a couple clubs in the city but i don't really have to focus on any clubs or any of their mics because of how robust the scene is here sure. like there's so like the, have you seen that that uh list of open mics bad slava uh, i have not i haven't looked at it well it's it's a great list yeah. that i use wherever i'm at and even here to remind oh. me of like what's going on and th- it's like a nationwide list of all the open mics that are happening every single night and with contacts and everything like that it's this really great invaluable service that people that are coming to new york are like hey what show should i hit up and i definitely have ones that i can try to help them get on or whatever but i i try to point them in that direction because there's all the comedians that are in the scene are pretty much hitting up some open mic yeah uh, i mean know. that makes sense that makes sense i'm gonna do the station id because it's time for that so um anyway hi everybody it's dr lisa and we're here at radio free brooklyn it's the most popular station in the tri-state area i'm here talking with comedian Ben Kronberg today, and um, we are sponsored by Paul Mitchell Hair Care. So um, today I want to promote their leave-in conditioner, which is really great because you don't have to wash it out, and if you're lazy, it's perfect. You just wash your hair, 
and then just stick it on there and you're good to go. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so what happened after, um, how'd you get to New York? How did I, I had to, I had to go to LA before I found New York in the experience, the magic that is New York. I, I, I went to LA cause I had, uh, via comedy festival that I got into had picked up some representation and got connected with the Jimmy Kimmel people. And they sort of, my, my manager was like urging me to move to LA and I did that for a couple years and had some opportunities and auditions and submitted writing things to write and stuff and started like selling some jokes to people and doing you so know just sort of comedy. all the odd things yeah and doing comedy, comedy and brought you to LA comedy brought me to LA and then um you know a girl had moved from Denver to live with me in Los Angeles and then we tried to make that work for uh six months or so and um uh, it didn't work and then we were I was in between places and I started performing at colleges because I you know college agent was pretty much the first performance oriented <clears throat> agent that I got and so I started traveling around performing at colleges and in, Fell in, in, love with New York. in my travels went to New York just to visit a friend who I had known since the sixth grade who um uh was living here doing hair and uh Oh, neat. And then um, state, you know, I was like, I should just move here because I had never done comedy in New York. And I once I did my first show, I was like, oh, man, this is great. Like way, way more supportive and yeah. exhilarating than performing yeah. in Los Angeles. And I could take the train around and I could stay up late and all these, yeah, you know, all so these many things. Places. There's like, it's sure. so, it was so fun. So and many so, comedians, so many places. So I just relocated because I didn't have any ties in Los Angeles. I, got, you know. Mm hmm. Did that, and I've been here for you know about seven plus years. Wow! Which is like time. Is, I'm like, what? What have I? Have I done anything? <laughs> what? What has I, happened? According to this know? list I have here that I haven't finished reading, you've done quite a bit. Um, but I know how. Look, you know. Once I it's know. one, you know, once you've done the thing and it's done, it's like, all right, what's next? And when you start feeling that, what? What's next? Feeling it's sort of the it's a mixed bag of like, okay, I've done some stuff. And, but then when you try to use that stuff to, to move you forward, you, you, rea you realize that, oh, there's, there's all these other people that have that stuff too, that we're yeah. all competing for the same thing. And you really have to focus the, on making your own opportunities and doing your own. The art world's the same, the same way. Yeah. I mean, any creative field, I think the more, the, the higher up you get, the steeper it is. And then the steeper it is. Yeah. And then there, then like at, you get to a point where you're at a certain level where everybody's just really good. Yeah. Um, so can we, can I ask some more direct questions about girls? Okay. Um, and you don't have to answer them cause, cause I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm aggressive about asking them, but I'm not pushy about getting the answers. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's good to know. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, so anyway, because, you know, I've been thinking about it while we're talking and, um, so you, I was wondering like, uh, what, how like those two, like. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot for one, you know, young developing person to go through, see what happened with your, your parents breaking up and then having that happen to you with your girlfriend at a young age. And what's your, did you have a good relationship with your mom? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, uh, more or less my mom raised me, raised me, you know, throughout everything and, and has always been there for me. And even once I started comedy, and started moving around for comedy. She's been very supportive of me and, you know, will like post on Facebook and come to shows and tell people at her work oh, nice. about me and, well, and different great. things. She's it's really a, obviously proud of you. Yeah, she's a, it's a really, you know, I feel lucky because I've also known friends that, you know, they'd been doing comedy for as long as me at one point, like eight or nine years or something like that, where they, um, their parents hadn't seen them perform, even though they yeah. talked to their parents, but but their parents didn't accept or weren't really wanting to accept that. And I have other musician friends that are similar where their, yeah. their parents don't get that they're amazing musicians and write these awesome songs. And because they don't feel like that's a thing, they don't, they don't give them the, the ability to, they don't give them with that little nucleus of confidence. It's like, Oh, that's so cool that you're doing having, this. Go having, for it. You got to go for it. Cause I wasn't able to do it. You know? So having support from your 
family definitely like helps. So did those things affect your, um, those, you know, your, the, your relationship with women and, and going forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it made me a little. I mean, I think the the biology of desiring uh, desiring somebody to to be with intimately, you know, always stuck around. I didn't. I never felt so burned that I was like, I'm not doing this, you know, because I'd always mm-hmm. meet somebody and be like, oh wait, they're actually cool, or I like them, or mm-hmm. or we have fun together, or blah blah blah. But that was the the interesting thing about my my first long term girlfriend is she you know, would laugh at everything that I would say. And that made me feel really good. Um, having somebody laugh at you, not just like mm-hmm. really get you know, you and, and yeah. And, you. and, you know, so that was a thing that I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I not, and everybody's different. Like I, the, the girl that moved out, uh, to LA from Denver, um, to live with me. Um, she wasn't that she didn't give up the laughs that much. <laughs> you need a girlfriend that laughs. I do, I, do, I do need a girlfriend that laughs, or, and that and that can make a joke, you know, um, but that isn't necessarily a comedian because I've also dated, um, you know, and hung out with comedians, mm-hmm. and it's nice, it's nice, but then there's that that competition level and that underlying thing that's just sort of sure. like, okay, maybe maybe it's this too is too much. yeah too, too close, close for comfort. And See, my worry for as as a as a self-proclaimed psychotherapist for you would be, and, and I still, we've been talking 45 minutes. I don't think I, I, I'm in any position to really say with any authority for God's sakes, but my worry for you would be that you would go for women that um, might repeat that pattern. Like I'm wondering, I guess what I was wondering about is that the woman who was cheating on you, if there was some excitement or distance that was sort of, very stimulating for you in a very unconscious way or fairly unconscious way and i was i'm worrying i'm worrying about you ben i'm a little worrying about you because i give a shit (laughs) um so i wonder if that's something that you're drawn to which could have been spurred a little bit by the divorce and 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 that you might you might fall into a pattern like that like on uh, you know what what do you what what do you think i mean you know, has I, that happened to you since, or I, women that flirt with other guys, or it, it that that particular experience hasn't happened to me since. Though I've I've you know in in multiple years of dating and you know living with multiple women and experiencing it, I definitely think I've broken that cycle. But I've also I'm had, not saying I, you even had a cycle. Well, no, I can't yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> I was that particular experience I think was was fueled as much by you know that that girl's past and I, I had a little I had a window into her her history and her psychology even going into that breakup and being cheated on where I I think I it wasn't like why is this happening it, I was able to be like oh yeah that thing that happened to you when you were younger could right. really fuck you up. And this is probably the, you know, this is probably the least bad thing that you could be doing with what happened to you. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, right. so I ha- I had the window into, into her behavior that, that, that allowed me to separate it from, from women and what women might be doing, very, you know, very healthy, resilient and mature. Good for you. Those are great skills that you must have developed, wow. you know, from having to deal with, you know, probably your parents and a lot of other shit. <laughs> yeah, and, and Santa And Claus also, and were you there. a little bit of a weirdo ever? Were you considered a weirdo? Because you're really smart. Does that, or did you fit in? Um, I, w- I think I, tr- I tried to fit in with everybody. That was another thing that I learned early on with having to move around, always be at a new school. So I'd always have to learn. Uh, it was either be be always a loner or just make uh, new friends and so i i think i picked up the skill of being able to make new friends very easily and also see that's friends with everybody like when once i got to high school i i didn't just hang out with you know my particular circle of friends i hung out with um you know band people guys that were in the drum line but i also had friends that were football mm -hmm. players i was like so you you were probably pretty popular funny guy popular i was popular enough you know like i wasn't like the most popular no but you were you guy in school but people you know i could could walk around not feeling like like i was gonna get beat up 
good, good, good. In junior high, that was different, though. I did have a, a, a sort of a bully uh, spit in my face in the locker room just to kind of make his friends laugh. And uh, I just sort of had to suck it up. And, like, there was no recourse that I could take other than the humility of the moment with, you know, some guys spit running down my face and being like, oh, this sucks. I never heard anybody say anything decent about middle school. It's the <laughs> hell yeah. for everybody. Yeah, it's... it's so uh, today, let's get to, to today. So, um, because we only have like another 50 hours on here. And, yeah, you know, right. we, we only have... We, so uh, anyway, um, so you're you're in a relationship now? I am in a relationship and, now. And how long, how long has that been? Um, I would say... I would say a good solid nine months oh. or so, um, you know, approaching a year mm-hmm. for sure. Do you live together? Um, we do live together. It's, uh, you know, it's it's not like a, we moved in together. I, I sort of moved in with her and in, in, in that way. So we didn't like, here, mm-hmm. let's find a place together. And it was, so it was a little bit more low-key, which I also like. I don't like making a big to-do about things like, like, future planning i like to be in the moment oh. you know and so this this was the moment that felt felt right and uh, you know one of the things that i think i've learned from what i value and what i need in a partner is um uh calmness mm-hmm. um i need somebody who their base level is calm um not combative or mm-hmm. not oh, I have not a feeling you've had that not to yeah <laughs> not too uh excitable you know, yeah not too not too excitable like just you know somebody that actually has a you know a nice mellow disposition and also going with the flow i think that helps and that's mm-hmm. the um you like easy going i like easy going naturally and easy going not e- where they have to try e- easy going good sense of humor and mm-hmm. and those things are like uh, higher up on the the list than other like oh blonde hair or uh, blah blah well, blah which hope, used yeah. to just be like a thing oh really well no I'm Not just you really. know when you're no. a kid but it's like oh yeah. blondes blondes are girls equal blonde <laughs> blonde equals girl like it's like you know no do, we, I, we 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 definitely believe you're you were way past that um I'm, I'm beyond that so so um how long was the relationship you had before that um it was it was a it was a couple years. It was over two years, um, but that it was, lasted two years. It lasted two years, yeah. And mm-hmm. it was a very, it was a very intense relationship, and it was it was a, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of headbutting of uh, you know the intellectual and social variety and uh, the struggle, you know. And it's sort of like, I think anything, it's sort of like tug of war and relationships are kind of like tug of war you you don't want there to be nobody at the other end of that rope to where you're just pulling on nothing but when that person is 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 so against you that they're pulling so hard that your arms are coming out of your sockets that's not good either you want Mm -hmm. that sort of you want that sort of Mm -hmm. even pull of you know Mm -hmm. you both have a chance to win and you're playing the same game sort of vibe but i felt i felt too um I felt like there was too much, too much, too much right. on the other end of that rope. Right. That was like so. Now you have like, somebody take this. Somebody who's calm. Yeah, and so, yeah, non, non, uh, not really um, in to conflict. Because some people are very like prone to conflict Absolutely. or you know contrarians or things like that. And mm-hmm. those are you know I think mm-hmm. you know those so people you make sound, fine. You sound lawyers. like a two. Two year, three year relationship type guy is that it? Kind um, of a I I mean my my, lo- my my longest relationship was seven years. Oh, that's a really um, long time. I you know four year was my first one. I've done definitely, you know all the all those things, mm-hmm. but I don't you know I don't necessarily think about. I try not to think about things in those terms. But right. just do you want to have children? Just try to someday? go with the flow. Do you care about that, or you think about that? Um, I like kids, but I don't necessarily want to have kids because I've I've seen my friends who have kids, and it's just sort of like it's cool and it's nice, but it's also very distracting from so many things. And yeah. I, you know, at least in my life right now, I'm I want to be able to be mobile and feel so not responsible so for anything but myself. So, do you feel like um, your way. career? I mean, which is obviously takes a huge amount of dedication that you have to it. I mean, obviously, is that like kind of like a big focus for you be, be, before all else, as it is for many 
creative people like would you say like that's the thing that like yeah you're like feeding the most like y- yeah absolutely. you feed that first and then everything gets fed after that so a lot of um maybe your comedy having a comedy career is just just even ha- making money as a comedian is a huge deal you know i mean most people could never even approach during that so to really make that career happen it just seems like it would take a lot of dedication and however that career is going and how you're feeling about it would probably dictate a lot of other things like where and because you're in a career that doesn't that's doesn't have like a nine to five job you know it doesn't have any kind of stability really um yeah it has it, it has the stability of unpredictability yeah yeah so i mean I, I would imagine that would also lead to having some less I hate to use this word committed, but that's the first one that comes to mind, like where the relationship has to be thought out. And, you know, you're not you're not buying insurance together and shit like that. Right. You're thinking yeah. about your career. Yeah. Thinking, thinking I about get it. my career. And I I mean, and, and just comedy and keeping keeping moving forward because I know I've yielded the most results like um, financially or or uh, mentally satisfying things have have come from comedy to where I just want to keep keep doing that especially like because I you know I wouldn't even consider bringing somebody into this this unpredictable yeah no it's hard I don't know you know and you're out at night every night right out at night and um yeah and yeah is your girlfriend a comedian I like to sleep but no she's not she is a a performer she's a she's a a musician so it's like close that's that's, that's it's close but it's not um it's not too far you know she gets it she knows yeah. what I have to do to kind of hustle it, and it's not. Um, it's not like even. But even you get it. You the get last, it. the last person I dated was a was a comedian in the comedy world, and and I felt like I had less. There was even less understanding for what I had to do because of the they, things she that she wanted, much. and she yeah you know, she knew too much, and she also. Uh, you know eventually wanted kids and things like that which i was like you know well do you eventually want kids and i'm like uh, i can't answer that right now and so that was this perpetual Mm. sort of argument of like are you you know i need you to i need you to tell me things that you don't know but i don't know them but i need you to tell me and that's well i would have counseled her that like that if you aren't in a position to tell tell her that's a perfectly reasonable answer that she could have uh, that that there's a lot of information in there that she didn't want to know maybe or didn't wasn't able to process without having it told her directly i'm a little that makes me uh you know just as as the shrink i'm a little angry at her it makes me a little angry Uh, you know at women at women (laughs) at people at people you know people tell us things listen listen to our other humans um so um your life today, we've got like five, eight minutes left. So where where are you now? Like, what is the thing that's the most? Can can you can you articulate? Are you willing to articulate? Can you be generous and help us art- help articulate? Uh-huh. Um, what's like the biggest uh, mental emotional ball you're wrestling with right now? Um. Oh, that's a. Really in eight question. minutes or less. Oh, um, <laughs> sorry. No, I mean, I'm like, yeah. Here's a really big question now. Yeah, I mean, you know, there. You know, there's a couple things. Um, there's a couple things. Uh, one, one which I have to recognize that I'm not as in control of. So to think about it and toil with it is is um you know, maybe futile in a way. But the other one is like sort of an estrangement from a friendship that I had, um, that I have, that I had, that I have. Uh, and being, you know, in the same city as, as my friend and, but, but also not being close with them like I used to be and having other politics come in into it that make it sort of like, difficult to move forward and there's you know it Was makes it me comedian? realize um no no just a just a friend just friend. a buddy but like a, a, a buddy that i've had for a long time but then we've sort of fell out of favor for whatever reason and i and it's definitely a thing of like you know somebody that you thought would always be there or assumed is always has your back but then coming to a, a realization where everybody changes and you know even you you can't always expect 
how things used to be to how they are like that's it's sort of an unrealistic thing even though it's a romantic notion of like i will always be there for you <laughs> if you ever well, need me but then it's like oh well actually no not now and like there's did you, you know, guys have a fight or a particular thing or there's a lot of uns- i'm getting the sense I mean, there's a lot yeah. of unspoken stuff there oh right? yeah a lot there's there's so much unspoken and i think that's the problem it's it's the the realization that i can't you can't be sometimes it's easier to be open with a stranger Obviously. as in the case of a therapy or whatever like that than it is with people that you're really close to and even people that that would tell you that they love you or that you know would make you feel like you could tell them anything when you do share with them some things of either how you're thinking or how you're feeling if they if they're not emotionally ready to accept that they'll they'll distance themselves from so you. so do are you feeling what i'm hearing um perhaps is that you um feel like this guy distanced is it a guy it's a guy yeah. it's a guy distanced himself from you um and you're you have ideas about what might have happened but you don't know yeah i have speculations right? um but because of because of the distance and lack of communication with us it's 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 remained at that that speculative so, area which is dangerous because of all the you know, you don't really know until you know, but I, but I've, you know, all I know is the sort of last conversation that we had. And so everything, all of my assumptions are built off of that last communication and conversation. I've since tried to reach out and just a sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, easygoing, non mm-hmm. dramatic, non issue way of like, hey, what's going on? Let's hang out for. I'm doing this for 4th mm-hmm. of July or what's going on or blah, blah, blah. But notice that I didn't really receive the, the same type of mm-hmm. treatment or response that I'd be like, yeah, bro, well, ev- even if we can't, let's hang out. Like none of that happened. It was just sort of like a, you know, a dismissive response. And so I'm like, oh, okay. I, I did get a response, but it was very, um, you know, arm's length and, and not typical of what so, our history So have you thought say. of... Um, doing something more direct like uh i don't know if this sounds this sounds crazy but like i i miss you i wonder i you know i'm just curious to know what happened i mean it's okay i want to talk about it i mean have you thought about anything like that or what's getting in the way a fear of being homos <laughs> i just had to throw that in that's funny um well i have thought about that but i also have have, have thought about taking this time to just evaluate like okay well I could say those things and they may or may not be received as I desire them, which is okay. But, you know, I'm just trying to take stock in like, what, what do I really want something from this relationship? Or is it one of those things of like, like trying to make something work that maybe isn't there to work anymore or something like that? Like maybe we've, we've evolved and, and, and also, but also that sort of bitter position of like, of feeling betrayed and being like, no, fuck you. You have to, you know, also having those things of like, no, you reach out, you, you, you lay your sword down, you know? And, okay. So and we so have, feeling a we little have bit two of minutes things. left. So can I just tell you my, like my, tell me. what I think this is what yes, I think please, I'd yes, be please. writing you a prescription okay. um, for what it's worth in my humble opinion. Uh, I think that um, it would be really worth it for you to reach out to the guy and, Try to find out in a direct way because, for one thing, I think it's really healing, and I also think that that will be a growth experience for you. I think it's – I understand why it's really hard to do that, Um, but I think there's a certain – you know, like we all would be – there's a certain fear of rejection. It's natural. I mean, that's what we'd be afraid of, but um, I think that – you doing that will make you into a bigger person and will be very empowering for you. And then I think you can just like fuck him, move on. I don't know. That's what I would. That's what I would tell you to do if I'm okay. telling you what to do. Okay. Okay. Does that make any sense no, to it, you? It does make sense, and I. Because it doesn't matter. You're right. See, you're speculating about it, and you could be right. Like fuck him. Who knows what the fuck happened? <laughs> but that doesn't matter. You know, the point is, I care about you because you're my patient. So what I'm saying is. Um, if you take the action, then you can just put it, put it aside and know that you are capable of like doing that. And it's not that easy to do. So, you know, it's good opportunity. And then you can say, fuck him. 
fuck him. Speaking uh-huh. of fuck him, it's time to go. Fuck that. Well, I think we, we, you know, I feel good, Ben. I feel, I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I got to see behind the curtain of Ben, Ben, Ben Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there That's as well curtain. as well I thought. And uh, I just want to say uh, thanks again to all my friends at Radio Free Brooklyn. I love you guys. Uh, uh, this radio show is so fabulous. I'm enjoying it so much, and I know you are too. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. And uh, I'll be thinking about all of you when I'm on vacation. Uh, I'm staying in a, in a house that uh, a B&B that two gay guys uh, are renting out. I think it looks great because there's no... Dr. Lisa gives a shit.